0: Hi everybody, it is Friday, November 6th, 2015. And earlier today, the government released the non-farm payroll report for the month of October. And I was told that this is the most highly anticipated, the most important non-farm payrolls number ever. Now, it seems that every month I hear the same thing when it comes to a jobs report, because everybody is convinced that it's a single jobs report That is gonna determine whether or not the Federal Reserve finally raises interest rates after having kept them at near zero for the last seven years. So this was supposed to be the determining factor. Nothing that happened in the past even counts. It all boiled down to this number. And the number was well ahead of what the forecast had been for the month of October. They were looking for 190,000 jobs, and we created 271,000 jobs. And of course, there were people that thought it might be less, including myself. Some people might have thought maybe it had been 150,000 jobs in line with what we've had for the last couple of months. But instead, the October number surprised just about everybody with the number of jobs that were created. And everybody now has jumped to the conclusion that a December rate hike is a lock, right? It is a sure thing. The Fed has no excuse. They're going to move interest rates, lift off at last in December. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing in this job report that would uh, say that. There's nothing here that's going to require the Fed to raise interest rates if they don't want to. Now, the reason that everybody believes that the Fed is going to raise rates is because Janet Yellen testified earlier in the week in front of Congress, and she spoke about interest rates. And this is what the Fed chairman said, or chairwoman. She said that if we get further improvements in the labor market, and if we make progress at achieving the Fed's inflation goal, right, which is 2% uh, the way the government measures it, and if they can achieve that in the intermediate term, whatever that is, right, not the short run, but she wants to be confident that we've got at least 2% inflation in the in the intermediate term. So if we get that and we get further improvements in the job market. Now, how much further and what type of improvements? We don't really know because the Fed's been saying this all year long, yet rates have stayed at zero all year long. So whatever has happened thus far, those improvements have not been enough to prompt a rate hike. But if we get these improvements and if we get the higher inflation, Janet Yellen said that, A increase, a rate hike in December is a live possibility, a possibility. Well, just because a rate hike is a possibility, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I mean, it's been a possibility all year. People thought it was possible they were going to raise rates in in March. They didn't. They thought it was possible they'd do it in June, September. Some people thought they might have raised rates last month. That was possible, but it didn't happen. Look, the Fed said it was possible. They didn't say it was a sure thing. Yellen didn't say, if we get all the improvements we want, then we're going to raise rates. She said, if we get all the improvements we want, we might raise rates, it's possible. She didn't even use the word probable. She didn't even say, if everything goes the way we want, we'll probably raise rates, because probable would imply that the possibility is greater than 50-50. But if she chooses the word possible, That doesn't mean anything. Of course it's possible. I've never said it was impossible that the Fed was going to raise rates. I mean, of course the Fed can decide to raise rates if they want to make that mistake. I mean, it would only be a mistake from their perspective. It's not an economic mistake. We need to raise interest rates. But not for what the Fed is doing. The Fed's game, I think, requires that rates stay at zero. But yes, it's possible that they could raise them. Look, when you buy a lottery ticket, it's possible that you might win, right? But you don't don't count on it, and it's probably not going to happen. And I also don't think the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates in December, even though this report was better than everybody thought. Now, I would guess that if it is unrevised, because remember, this is just a first look. They could have a sharp downward revision uh, in December, because we have one more of the most important job reports ever, uh, before the Fed makes a decision or announces their decision, I think they've already made it, which is not to raise. And in fact, in that uh, congressional hearing, Janet Yellen said that yes, it was a possibility that we would raise rates, but the Fed had no idea whether they would do it or not. And from my perspective, if it's been almost seven years, and if you're really six months or six weeks away from a rate hike, you know it, right? You can't base it all on a couple of months' worth of jobs numbers. So. My feeling is if they didn't know by uh, this week whether they would move in December, they're not going to decide to do it on the spur of the moment. Yet everybody just assumes that it's going to happen. But even if we don't downwardly revise uh, this jobs number, and even if we get another so-called strong jobs report in December, the Fed still doesn't have to raise rates. They can come up with all kinds of excuses. They can claim that there's not enough inflation or who knows, you know, the markets could start selling off again between now and then. And there could be another reason for the Fed not to raise rates. See, this is what scares the Fed. Let's assume the Fed actually does raise rates. What do they do if that rate hike, even though it's really small, what if it prompts the stock market decline? How do they stop it? Cut rates? They look like fools if they do that. I mean, if the Fed raises rates and the stock market goes down, people might start believing that there's no yell and put, that it's, it, the put has expired. And that, you know, know, there's no more safety net. I mean, that can be very scary if the stock traders don't think they got the Fed to protect them. Because how can Janet Yellen protect them if she's raising rates? She can only protect them if she can cut rates. So it's very risky for the Fed uh, to upset the apple cart, right? There's an expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And as far as the Fed's concerned, extend and pretend is working like a charm. Everybody believes the Fed's about to raise rates, even though they don't actually say they're going to do it. So they never have to really do anything. Yet they get the benefit of a rate hike psychologically. They get to pretend we've got this great economy, but they don't actually have to raise rates and prove to everybody that we don't have a great economy. So there's a lot at stake here. And I think it's a lot easier for the Fed to punt again and to say, look, you know, it's still possible that we'll raise rates in March or whatever they want to pretend. But I want to even get back to these jobs numbers that came out today. Because, you know, if you listen to the way it's being reported, oh, this is the greatest month ever or or the best month of the year for jobs, right? We created 270,000 jobs, 271. This is the strongest month of the year, which I guess is true. It is the strongest month of the year in a pretty weak year. And it follows the two weakest months of the year. And in fact, nobody is talking about this, but before the jobs report came out, just about all the Wall Street strategists had expected big upward revisions to both September and August, right? Substantial upward revisions. Nobody believed those numbers. Everybody said, oh, these numbers are so low, they can't possibly be true, we're gonna get a revision. So everybody thought we were gonna get a big revision. We only got an extra 12,000 jobs combined from those two months. In fact, one month was revised slightly lower and one slightly higher. Then that was an extra 12,000. But that was way below what people were looking for. So yes, we did get more jobs this month. They were looking for 190. We got 271. But I think if you look at the three months combined, it's still fewer jobs than most people had expected. The three-month average is 187,000 jobs. Now, if you go... Uh, three months back and take the three-month average for the rest of this year, we were running at an average of, I think, 205,000 or something like that. So the last three months are slower than any three-month period prior to it this year. And of course, if you go back to last year, the three-month average was about 250,000 jobs, a little bit more. So the job market is much slower this year than it was last year when the Fed was supposedly looking for more improvements before raising rates. Well, we didn't get an improvement. Yes, we did get another decline in the unemployment rate. It's down to 5%. Yes, the unemployment rate has been declining for years and none of those declines have prompted the Fed to hike rates in the past. Why should this be any different? The labor force participation rate stayed at 62.4. That matches the record low Uh, or not an all time record low, but back to the 1970s. But it's certainly the low of this so-called recovery in labor force participation. So we are not seeing more people entering the labor force, which is a criteria that Janet Yellen has put out in the past, something she's waiting for before she raises rates. And that hasn't happened. So all we really got in the October jobs number is we had this so-called strong number following two very weak months. So jobs that maybe didn't get created in August and September, well, we pushed them forward to October. Big deal. Over the entire period, this is not a sudden acceleration in the pace of job growth. And most likely, we're going to get downward revisions in December to this month. And we're probably going to create fewer jobs in December than is anticipated. And that meeting will come before the, uh, the Fed's decision on weights. But again, let's look at the quality of the jobs. Because I'm hearing, you know, the labor secretary is on television talking about what great quality these jobs are. They're not. It's the same old thing. About 200,000 of the 270,000 jobs are low quality, low paying jobs in general. The number one quality is education and healthcare, right? That was uh, 57,000. Yes, there's some doctors that work in hospitals. But there's a lot of people that clean bedpans, that, that, that scrub the floors, right? That, that, that uh, wash the, 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 uh, the toilets, right? These aren't great jobs. Same thing in the uh, education. You got a lot of people scrubbing floors uh, in, in, in schools, right? There's not a bunch of high-paying jobs in schools. Number two was temporary help. They got 45,000 temporary jobs. Why are people hiring temps? Well, because the Christmas season is coming up. So you got a lot of temporary jobs. These are not lucrative jobs, and they're not permanent jobs. They're just here for a short period of time. Then retail trade, number three, about 44,000 jobs in retail trade. Those are your cashiers. Those are the greeters that stand in front of Walmart and say hi when you walk in, right? These are not high-paying jobs. Then the number four category is leisure and hospitality. There you got your bartenders. You got your waiters and waitresses, stuff like that. And that's 200,000 of your jobs. If you just look at manufacturing, mining, logging, uh, transportation, we lost jobs in those sectors. Those are the higher paying jobs. But you know where it really gets bad is in the demographics. And nobody really reports this. I I read it on, on Zero Hedge. But the mainstream media doesn't even look at the disturbing demographic trends. All of the job gains, all of them went to people age 55 and older, right? People under 55 in the month of October, even though we had the strong report, we create 271,000 jobs. If you were under the age of 55, between 24 and 55, we lost 35,000 jobs in that age demographic. But it gets even worse if you look at the gender, right? Talk about a gender gap, right? Men between the ages of... um, uh, 25 and 54, lost 119,000 jobs, 119,000 jobs. So that means women gain jobs, but not as many as men lost. So let me get this straight. The only people who got jobs were people older than 55 and, and some women between the ages of 24 and, 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 and 54. Right Now, what would explain this? Well, this is my explanation for what's happening. The reason a lot of people who are 55 and older are getting jobs is because they can no longer afford to be retired. They can't make ends meet. The cost of living is going up. And Janet Yellen wants it to go up faster. And so older people need to supplement their diminished retirement incomes. And of course, they they have no interest on their savings. So they get a lot of these lower paying jobs, these temporary jobs, part time jobs. So that's what's happening. Now, probably some of the older people are going back into the workforce and maybe they're taking a decent job, a good job, because they got a lot of experience. They're probably taking jobs that would normally go to a college grad. But if you can hire a 55-year-old guy with a lot of experience for the same price as a guy with no experience and a liberal arts degree, well, why not hire the experienced guy? So that's also happening. What about women? Why are women getting jobs and not men? Well, I think what's happening is a lot of the married women that maybe had kids and maybe they weren't working because they chose not to. And there's still some women that you know aren't working, that choose to be stay-at-home moms, But I think more and more women no longer have that choice because their husband cannot support them on his diminished income and with the rising cost of living. So I think where the jobs are going is to retired people who are coming out of retirement and stay at home moms who can no longer afford to stay at home because young men and some of them are not that young all the way up to fifty four. We lost one hundred nineteen thousand jobs. Right. That's why uh, so many young men are now living with their parents. Because their grandparents have their jobs, and there's no real jobs for them. In fact, anecdotally, there's, you know, men's warehouse stock was down about 40% today. Just got clobbered. They own us, you know, they bought a Joseph A. Bank. You know those guys, you know, buy one suit, get the whole store for free, whatever they are. But they reported really bad sales. Well, it makes sense. You know, young men are not buying suits because they can't get jobs. Why do they need suits? 55-year-old guys, they already have their suits. They got a pretty good wardrobe. Or you know if you're getting a job at Walmart, you don't need a suit to stand out and greet people. Or if you're you know you're bagging groceries, you don't need to buy a suit. So it makes sense if young men can't get jobs, they don't buy uh, you know moderately priced suits because they don't need them because they don't have an office job. So also when you look at these demographic numbers, that's more evidence that the Fed's explanation for the labor force p- participation rate being so low is wrong. And I've been saying this all along. The Fed is trying to pretend that this low participation rate is because the baby boom is retiring. Well, this jobs report, again, is more proof that that is not happening. Thanks to the Fed, the baby boom is too broke to retire. The people who are leaving the labor force are the young men that need to be there, that need good, high-paying jobs. You know, I heard a report on uh, CNBC today uh, about mortgage rates spiking up. You know, everybody thinks the Fed is going to raise rates, so mortgage rates are going up. But this wasn't alarming the reporter because she said, well, you know, but we're creating all these jobs, so it's going to be okay if mortgage rates are higher because people are going to have these jobs and they're going to be able to pay the higher rates. Well, first of all, you know, just because your neighbor got a job doesn't mean that it's easier for you to afford your adjustable rate mortgage if it goes up. I mean, higher mortgage rates are going to be a problem, right? Because a lot of people have jobs and can barely afford the mortgages they have. And if the rates go up, it's going to be even more problematic. But... The 55 year old guys, the 60 and 70 year old guys that are getting jobs, they're not going to buy houses. Either they already own a house. Maybe they're downsizing an apartment. The people who would be buying houses are the 25, 35, 40 year old guys who lost 119,000 jobs. So the people that we need to buy houses are not the ones that are getting jobs. It's the people that don't need them or can't afford them. That is who is getting jobs. And by the way, now that I'm talking about housing, Freddie uh, uh, Freddie Mac reported just the other day its first quarterly loss in four years. Now, this is with rates still at zero. Imagine what's going to happen to their losses if the Fed actually raises interest rates. You know, the Fed doesn't want to have to imagine that. They don't want to have to experience it. They want to continue uh, to postpone that. But I think it's already starting. And remember, you know, Fannie and Freddie were contributing Uh, dividends to the government. And that was artificially reducing the deficit. But now that these companies are starting to lose money, and of course, I think they're going to lose a lot more. This is just the tip of a huge iceberg. We've got hundreds of billions that these companies are ultimately going to lose. And they'll lose it even faster if the Fed actually follows through with its threat uh, to raise interest rates. But then instead of sending the government a dividend check, they're going to be sending the government a bill And so now the losses are going to augment the deficit because the government's going to have to bail out Fannie and Freddie again. Also, later on in the day, the government reported a surge, in fact, a record increase in consumer credit, led by by auto loans and student loans. Two more bubbles that have been inflated by the Fed and backstopped by the government because a lot of these loans, in fact, the U.S. government now holds almost a trillion dollars of consumer-backed loans, but this is all being fueled by the Fed and the cheap money, why do they want to prick those bubbles? And what's amazing is why are so many college students borrowing so much money when there's no jobs for them, right? They can't find jobs yet. They're borrowing this money anyway. And I think what's going on is a lot of people are borrowing money using student loans because it's the only way they can get the money. They don't really want the college degree. They just want the loans. They want the money, and they use it for things other than college. They use it for their rent. They use it for their utilities. They use it for their food. The fact that so many people are struggling and need to borrow money is not a great sign. Right? What's a good sign is when you don't have to borrow money, when your savings are growing. Right, That's a good sign. We don't have that. Our consumers are in distress. They are struggling. They're barely surviving. Yet the Fed is going to remove their only lifeline by raising interest rates? I don't think so. But the markets, of course, once again, were fooled uh, by the Fed. They got this jobs report. They're certain the Fed's going to raise rates. So the dollar soared. The dollar index, you know, back at 99, almost back at 100 again. Gold tanked back below 1,100. You know, when the Fed didn't raise rates in October, just before they announced that they didn't raise them, gold was at 1190. So gold's dropped about $100 since the Fed didn't raise interest rates in October, but left open the possibility that they might raise them in December. And because of that possibility, gold collapsed, the dollar took off, even though it's just a possibility. In fact, it could be a remote possibility as far as anybody else knows, but just the mere possibility of a rate hike has caused this to happen, which, again, is what the Fed wants to achieve. Because by strengthening the dollar, uh, they also keep consumer prices down. And now they can say there's not enough inflation, and they can use that as an excuse, yet again, not to raise interest rates, because the strong dollar will keep commodity prices down, will keep energy prices down, will allow the Fed to pretend that there's no inflation, Right? It also makes U.S. financial assets more attractive. It was interesting, though, that the stock market did not sell off. Because if you remember, when everybody thought the Fed was going to raise rates in September, the market tanked. And it only rallied when people started to think, hey, wait a minute, maybe the Fed's not going to raise rates because we got that weak jobs number uh, for uh, August and September. And then we got a huge rally based on a relief that the Fed wasn't going to raise rates. Now, all of a sudden, everybody believes the rate hikes are back on the table again, yet the stock market has not surrendered its gains. Well, I wouldn't be too complacent. Just because the stock market hasn't sold off yet doesn't mean it's not going to have a delayed reaction. I don't think the Fed is going to be able to convince everybody that rates are going up and yet somehow prevent the stock market from going down. I think what keeps the stock market from going down is the resurrection of the idea that the rate hike isn't gonna happen just yet. In fact, I heard uh, a report on the news regarding the language. Right now they're talking about, okay, the Fed's gonna raise rates in December, but what are they gonna say? How are they gonna do it? And I heard somebody talking about how they would have to leave open the possibility that even if they raise rates, that they might have to cut them. That yes, we've raised rates, but we're still data dependent and we can move rates in either direction. Meaning they wanna raise rates, but still leave the possibility open that they might cut them again. Now, I think that might be a very dangerous line for the Fed to try to walk. But again, that's what I think is going to happen. I think if the Federal Reserve actually raises rates, they're simply accelerating the moment in time when they have to cut them again. I think if the Fed raises rates, they're going to do more damage to this bubble economy, which means they're going to have to blow even more air to, to fill it back up. So if they do raise rates, That means the onset of QE4 could happen even sooner than if they just continue to pretend they're going to raise rates, but not do it.